Everybody and welcome to Project Shadow episode three, Borders on the Edge of Nowhere. And yes, that did deserve the sigh. I take a lot of flack for my sign, but I think it's dramatically necessary sometimes to give it a, the sigh treatment because it took me a while to put this episode together. We've been on vacation, and thanks to everybody who came out at Shore Leave 33. And yes, that deserves a sigh, too, because Shoreleave was the first convention I ever attended, and that was Shoreleave 10. Yeah, that was intentional dead air. Shoreleave 10. So I've been going to these for 23 years. Wow, that just blows me away. But this was an awesome con, an awesome weekend. So if you weren't in the Baltimore metropolitan area a couple weeks back, man... I hate to say it, but you missed an epic convention that was one of some of the most fun that I've had in years. We did six hours of panels at the convention. We had two LGBT panels, two hours each, which was fun and interesting, I must say. We did all kinds of things at that. We had a major discussion about the difference between gender and sexuality and all of that. And we did a two-hour podcasting and new media panel with Scott's Herzog from, uh, I knew I was going to get this wrong, um, Sci-Fi Diner, I believe is the name of his podcast. I'm sorry, I knew I should have pulled that up before I did this because my brain is completely messing up. Anyway, we'll play their promos for you uh, on a future episode of both this show and Fandom Today. But uh, yeah, Scott's Herzog and Wayne Hall shared the stage and they're great, great, great guys. And... Uh, SciFiPulse.net is where you can find Wayne's stuff. I remember that off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I feel like a complete and utter douche right now. But it was a lot of fun. Not as many people showed up as I think should have for that panel, but I think that was the problem of the folks over at Shore Leave because they didn't really... They didn't let... All that it said in the pamphlet in the little schedule thing that they put out for everybody was podcasting. That's all that it said. Podcasting. That's it. I I was right. Sci-Fi Diner podcast is what Scott's on. Yay for that. (laughs) Yay for memory. Yeah, this was one of those things where I I think if they would have put in a description, more people would have shown up. But it was also a two-hour panel, and we talked and talked and talked and talked and I got to know two of the great greatest guys in sci-fi podcasting so I'm very excited about that Uh, Scott is currently on vacation but he promised with his family and who can blame him for that I went on vacation the week prior to shore leave he did the smart thing and did vacation the week after (laughs) which I kind of needed myself but 
Uh, he, he has promised to send me what audio he recorded. We decided to use this audio rec- equipment, and I'll see if I can put some stuff together for you guys that will be of interest to content creators, because after all, that's more or less what this show is morphing into. For John the Rogue Demon Hunter, yeah, I meant to talk about this, and it's just... This has been a really emotional time for me. It's been a time of endings, it's been a time of closing, and it's really sad. I mean, I, everybody saw my post over at Dash Punk about the end of Star Wars Galaxies, which I think is a very sad thing. I think they were... They started off as one of the best and most promising games in the MMO world, pre-CU and even post-CU, pre-NGE. For those of you who don't know what those words mean, that's uh, CU is Combat Upgrade, and NGE was the new game experiences. In other words, how we're going to turn your amazing, innovative, and fun sandbox into World of Warcraft with Star Wars characters. It was an amazing game. I had kind of hoped that they would revert or do something. I think it was stupid for them to close. Uh, I do hope what this means, though, since Sony did not try to renew the license, that Lucas Arts will be smart enough to find somebody else to pick it up. Because while I am moderately excited about the Old Republic online, I have some serious doubts as far as whether or not I'll be able to get into it. The fact that it is not going to have a player bounty hunter system and that class is bound to faction to me ruined the game already before I've even played it. It's out for pre-order now and we're actually, it's a hard thing to say. Brian and I are actually debating whether or not we want to pre-order a Star Wars game from Bioware. That says a lot right there. But I think for a lot of players, a lot of Star Wars fans especially, the idea that there's not going to be a movie era MMO out there will be problematic because people are going to get Star Wars The Old Republic, they're going to get in there and they're going to be like, where's Darth Vader? Where's Luke? Where's Han? What's going on here? Why is Alderaan still here? Because apparently some of the game takes place on Alderaan. I think that's going to confuse a lot of people. And, I don't know, I don't think it was the wisest of things. But we also came back to the news that Borders is closing. Borders Books that my great love uh, we used to spend hours and hours and hours at Borders just hanging out, collecting huge collections of books and going up and buying them. Remember the golden days? Do you remember? I remember the music the books it, it, was, it was an event, we would all get into the car and we'd drive down to White Flint Mall, which was the closest Borders to us at the time and we would go in there, and it was a two-story store. It was huge. And we just rummaged through, trying to see what we could find. And it was this big contest. Who could find the greatest thing that we hadn't, no one had seen before? And we would always buy stuff and leave. And Well, notice I'm talking past tense. I mean, I think that's why a lot of this is going away. I still go to bookstores. We have a Hastings in town. And I prefer going to bookstores to shopping online for my books not because I'm a crazy book freak but it's easier for me to get a sense of a book by its physical media and maybe I'm just an old person you know, I'm 35 maybe you know for someone younger who has been who came into this market while the digital age was starting to dawn which hasn't been that long when you see a book's spine you get a sense of how big it is 
Now I'm expected to look at a number and figure out how big it is. That's not the, that's not the same thing because I have books that are the same spine width that their word count is drastically different because one would put 32 words on a on a line and the other would put 25 words on a line because the font was bigger. So you really don't know what page count means. I mean, I guess they're standardizing all of that with everything going to Kindle. But then again, I'm one of those people that I, I complain about the lack of album art because I actually own albums and they're some of my pride and joy collection is these amazing albums with this huge artwork and some amazing, amazing stuff. The early Ronnie James Dio albums, that little bitty thing that you see in the corner of your iTunes or whatever, or Spotify, whatever you use for music, it doesn't do it justice. It really doesn't. Having the big cover of Last in Line and Holy Diver and Dream Evil and all of those, those covers are amazing and full size. And you also don't get the fun thing that if you spin the cover over, Dio's name spells Devil when you turn it upside down that's how he had the logo designed and there's a lot of fun things that you can do with that and I don't know of a button in, a, in iTunes or Spotify that lets you p- push it and turn the cover upside down so you miss out on some of the fun I also miss liner notes and stuff too I'm that guy this is a sad thing though and especially for me because here we are we came back from the convention and I started thinking immediately what are they going to do next year because Borders Books, the local Borders Books, there in um, Hunt Valley, Maryland, they provide the books for the authors to sell, which is nice because a lot of authors then don't have to, don't have to provide their own stock, which can be expensive for those of you who have had to do this. It's not cheap to buy physical copies, even of your own work, because printing costs money. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do next year. Because, you know, there's a major author event every Friday night. And yet again this year, I was excluded for two reasons this year. Not just because they don't like me. But the two reasons this year was, one, I don't exist. Apparently, they're she who shall not be named, who does author relations, looked me up on Amazon and couldn't find any of my books. If you look up my name, C.E. Dorset, on Amazon, you'll find six. I'm the top six books there so don't know what she was looking at there and uh to make sure i didn't go they scheduled one of my two-hour panels up against the meet the pros so i couldn't have gone if i wanted to which is sad but this is really an end of the era kind of a thing for me with borders going away it's going to be harder and easier for writers like me to find a way to go forward and I I just wanted to share Christopher Golden who's a great writer he wrote the uh, Shadow Saga which unfortunately I'm behind in it the first book was really good of Saints and Shadows is the first book the second book Angel Souls and Devil Hearts is really sad in comparison to the first book honest to god you'll figure out the trick ending about 15 pages in but there's some amazing stuff, especially in their sojourn through hell. It's a really interesting book for that, but it, it's a fast read, so you can get through that. The next one was, uh, I believe, Of Masks and Martyrs, which brought the series back to its glory. And I think, if I saw correctly on Amazon, there's actually a fourth and a fifth book out now. And 
somehow I missed that. But anyway, Christopher Golden, great horror writer. If you are a franchise fiction writer, he also wrote, I believe, some of the uh, Char- Charmed and Buffy the Vampire Slayer novels, I think. Anyway, he posted on his Facebook something that I thought was just really poignant and touching, and I just wanted to read it. I can't even focus on the news of Borders closing. Beyond the impact of publishing and on writers, 10,000 booksellers are losing their jobs, and many communities will be hard hit by the layoffs and the tax loss from vacant real estate. It's just ugly all around. And I wanted to give props to Mr. Golden for that, because a lot of people have not been paying attention to the fact that not only is one of our favorite bookstores going away, not only is a major bookstore going away, but here we go. It's happening. 10,000 people are losing their job around the country. So this is, it, it's a major impact. And hopefully Barnes and Nobles can stay around. They're trying to become much more of an event location with bringing in live music. And, you know, if you bring in your nook, you get to read for free. It becomes kind of a reading room kind of a thing where they're hoping to sell you some pastry and coffee. I think we need a place. I think we need a place where you can go and talk about books. I really do. So I I hope we can find some kind of a solution. Mashable had an interesting article up that I wanted to share with you guys as well. You can find all of these links in our show notes over at projectshadow.com. Over at Mashable, they have a very interesting post up. Finally, it looks like Booklamp is going to launch. What is Booklamp, you may ask? Well, if you're asking that, you haven't been listening to uh, Fandom Today for a very long time. Um, (laughs) You're new to to me, because I've been talking about Booklamp forever. I don't know how many people remember this, but there was a website on the internet a long time ago called Can Google Hear Me? And the gentleman behind the site, um, Richard Bachman, who I'm sure is no relation to the other famous people with that last name, came up with this idea of doing essentially a Pandora for books. Well, if you don't know what Pandora is, that doesn't help you. The basic idea is he thought that you could set up an algorithm to help you understand what a book is like. And it's a very interesting idea where you input the full text of a book and it starts looking at the pacing of the book by the distance between commas, the distance between periods, the length of paragraphs, the length of chapters, and the overall length of the book. Now, the idea here is you can tell the pacing by this. For all of you writers who are listening to me right now, you know that that's true. One of the things that you do when you're trying to establish pacing in a story is you start using quicker, shorter sentences, and when you're trying to do some breathtakingly elaborate scene, you use a long sentence. For for example, in Moby Dick, the longest grammatically correct sentence in the English language exists, and it spans two pages in most copies of the book. It's huge! And, oddly enough, grammatically correct. For all you grammar geeks, if you're not familiar with that, you should look it up. But, you take that, then you take user reviews, not other people's reviews, and genre into account. 
and you mix it all into a bucket. And so you go to the site and you say, I like this book, this book, this book, this book, and this book. And it looks at the rhythm and pacing of those books and other people like you and then comes back and says, oh, if you liked those books, you might like these books. That's actually a really interesting idea. I've played around with it. I don't know if you can still play around with it. Over at booklamp.com, he had up some examples, and he wasn't actually opening it up to other people yet. You just basically had to use the examples that were in there because he was fighting for rights because he had gotten access to Google Books and Amazon had given him access to some of their to their digital stuff and then there was things and at, at, at any rate one, one of the really good examples in here is they're looking looking to find a way to capture the DNA of books okay so what is the DNA of books Pandora did this really interesting with the music genome project here's an example of what he's doing with book lamp so you take a book like the Da Vinci Code, right? I think everybody's either read or heard of the Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code, quoting from the Mashable article, for instance, contains 18.6% religion and religious institutions, 9.4% police and murder investigation, 8.2% art and art galleries, and 6.7% secret societies and communities, among others. According to according to the book lamp engine, the book also catalogs the program also catalogs things like denseness and length, all of which allow to take someone's favorite books and recommend others like it. Now, for independent authors like me and a lot of you listening, this is going to be amazing. And I've been trying for a long time to figure out how to get my books into book lamp. And as soon as I have an answer for you. I will share it on this podcast, if not on the blog blog over at dashplunk.com first. But he is moving forward. The project has kind of stalled out for a while because they were trying to build up a catalog. It doesn't... If you go there and there are no books, it isn't that impressive. Now, unfortunately, um, they have only about 20,000 books in their catalog right now. So that's not a lot. Hopefully publishers will glom onto this and see it as a way to promote their stuff. If not, a lot of folk like me are probably going to go over there and do it, and it'll be a place for us. Either way, this is really exciting to see that they are going forward with this. I, I just I couldn't be more pleased. I also wanted to point everybody to a, another Mashable article on the gamif- gamifying your marketing. This is something I think a lot of us need to be thinking about as far as how to get other get people to see the content that we're producing. I have no idea how to do this with my own fiction, but I am looking into things. I'm like one of the things I was thinking about doing was having people uh, check in with Get Glue or something like that on the book pages and then offer some of the badges, try to get some of the special badges put into the system. That might help. I don't know. I'm really interested in this topic. This is a very good article, and they give some examples of how Starbucks is doing it and American Express and whatnot. They don't have any media companies. But uh, 
I, I think there's a way for us to do this without having to go into an alternative reality game. Because ARGs are interesting, they're complex, they're powerful, but they're really complicated and can be expensive to set up. If you're not familiar with that term, an alternative reality game is where you essentially set up a whole bunch of different websites and basically make kind of a scavenger hunty game system where people can go through and find stuff and explore the world and the setting and there are challenges and puzzles and whatnot and I think this is one of the main reasons that shows like Lost were so big they did this with the uh, Dharma Initiative so that's a really good article and one other just because I thought it was fun and it does have some interesting notes in there but I think authors should share frustration there's a brilliantly fun article written by Nathan Bradford over on his blog that's titled, and I quote, the thing about self-promotion is that self-promotion sucks, but you have to do it anyway. For all of you like me who just had a week of self-promotion, it's really hard to be the guy who's running around going, hi, 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 you should be reading me because I'm so great. And yeah, mostly what I did is I just sat around drinking and had a large group of people following me around everywhere, and we just talked. <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that I was concerned about legal issues, I really kind of wish I had set up a microphone somewhere to record all this, because it was it was brilliantly wonderful. Oh, and I wanted to share one more thing. i got to find it real quick. It's on my G Plus profile, which you can just search me, Eric Dorset over on G Plus, and... Um, follow me over there, because I am over there a lot. I'm a big G-plus user. But Matt Selznick, who wrote one of my favorite books, Brave Men Run, posted over there... Here it is. The Google Foundation. This is a foundation that's being set up to try to help the folks that are losing their jobs over at Borders. I meant to mention this with the other thing, but I forgot to put it out. Put it out. It is a tax-deductible gift. It is a non-for-profit that has been set up to kind of help these folks as they're transitioning into other jobs because, as we know, the economy is horrible right now, and honestly, they need all the help that they can get. I'll put a link to that in the show notes over at projectshadow.com. As far as what's going on with me, if you've been following my streams, either at Facebook or Twitter, um, CE Dorset on both of those, I'm Eric Dorset over on um, Google+, which is probably the best place to catch up with me. And if you don't have an invite already, I still have some invites, so send me a message somehow and let me know that you want one, and I'll send you one, because seriously, if you're not on Google+, you really should be. It is a ton of fun. But inspired by Nicola Griffith, who I saw doing this, I decided, kind of a fun way to think about it, to put some of my draft works up over on Scribd for you guys to take a look at, because I am seriously writing all the time, and since I'm in my little bat cave, and a lot of y'all can't see that, I thought, well, what the heck? I'll put them up over there and let you guys see some of the stuff that I've been working on. And I'm Eric Dorset over there as well, because I use my Facebook to sign up. Um, I put up 
six documents in total. Two, for those of you who have been fans of mine for a long time, you will recognize. One is Faraun, Chapter 1, The Road to Madness. For those of you who remember, this was a preview of a story I was working on um, a couple years back that was only ever released in a preview at a shore leave that we attended and disappeared shortly thereafter. The deals kind of didn't work out, and so I went on to other things because I'm just, I'm, I, I have serious ADD, especially when it comes to fiction. But Faroon chapter one and two are up there, and that's the other big thing is chapter two was never released anywhere. This is a rough version, so I'm sure it's got all kinds of spelling and grammatical mistakes in it. But I thought, hey, what the heck, I'll put them up there. If they got, get a lot of interest and a lot of good comments, I'll think about continuing them. And for those of you who are recently following my attempt to write another novel, the last novel I will ever write project, I ran into some hurdles when I basically got four, chap- four and a half chapters into it, and I didn't like my outline anymore. I, I After I had spent that much time with the characters actually writing the story, I felt that it really needed to be something different than what it was, and I've been having a hard time retooling the outline to make it into what I think it should be, though I am still kind of working on it on the side. I put up the first four chapters of that. That's The Wand and Weaver, 1, 2, 3, and 4, Chapter 1, Plan B, Chapter 2, The Curse and the Mist, Chapter 3, The Arrows Deep, and Chapter 4, Magic Man. Those are all up over at... Uh, scribbed. Chapter 1 finally is now in the lead. Chapter 1, Chapter 4 is number 2 in reads. Then I think Chapter 3, 2 and 3 are tied. Nope, Chapter two. Chapter 3, then Chapter 2. So a lot of people are not reading them in order, but hey, whatever. Um, so leave a comment, let me know what you think. Um, you can send me an email or hit me up over at Google Plus and we'll talk about it. I would really like to do something with this. I love the setting, I love these characters. It's really hard for me to do because it's so far outside of my bailiwick. I generally write action fiction, and no matter what genre I'm in, it's action-based fiction because that's what I like. I'm a big Robert E. Howard fan, and that's kind of what I do. And this is a very personal story. It's a very intimate story. It's a much more a story about a group of friends. It's a dark urban fantasy and I would really like to finish it. And I'm looking for some comments to see what you guys think. And whether or not I pulled off some of the stylistic things that I was doing. This is near and dear to my heart. The, the impetus to write this was I had been watching a lot of True Blood and reading the books related to that. And a lot of being human. And I kept thinking to myself, wouldn't it be fun to try to do the, that kind of a much more quiet, less action-y story that really delves into character and who the characters are and puts the focus much more on that. And hopefully you like it. So let me know. Check that out. Um, I am trying to figure out how to fit it in at the website over at Dashpunk, and that's that's been a bit of an issue. Just... It's mainly because of the way that Squarespace works, which is where we're hosting the site. It's a bit of a nuisance to try to figure out exactly how to fit all of that. 
so that it's easily easy to navigate. Navigation is still to this day one of the biggest problems that the internet has and especially websites. If you've ever developed a website, you know that trying to figure out how to do navigation is the one thing that makes you want to scream and rip your hair out. So, uh, hopefully I'll figure out a way to get them over there. <laughs> I did post, I did do some mock-up pages. They fit very nicely on the page. It was the navigation that I was having issues with. And the main reason for that is I found out the hard way. Your site can only be so deep. There's actually a limit to how m- how many levels the site can have as far as nesting content so I have to really be conscious of what's top what's what's where so hopefully I'll get a grip on that soon but um, I have gotten some likes over on Facebook for, for the stories which thank you everybody who's giving me the likes that does encourage me comments are better because I want to know what you liked what worked, what didn't work. These are experimental fiction for me. And knowing what, like I said, what worked and what didn't work is extremely valuable. That's why I put it up there. So please leave comments. I also want to thank everybody who participated in our When Is Our Solemn Hour event that we had over at Dash Punk. It went really, really well. I actually know what our Solemn Hour is going to be. And I've been developing a series Bible for it. Now, you may be asking yourself, why are you developing a series Bible, Eric? You're a fiction writer. You're a prose writer. Well, two reasons, actually. We have made the decision to abandon the novel framework. And I'm going to actually be doing serials. I think this is a much better solution for someone like me who has a lot of characters and a lot of stories. In that, for the most part, I will be doing either standalone short stories or four four to six part serials. Now, there may be conjoined serials that will be made available. The stories will be made available via Scribd. And we'll also be having Kindle editions, and if I can get them into the Nook, which is not quite as easy, if I can get them on the Nook and other, you know, digital stores, I'll do that as well. But yeah, we're, we're, we're moving away from doing novels because for me to spend six months to two years working on one story to see if it works in the current market I don't think that that's viable and this way we can get them out quicker you guys seem to like the Fates Horror stuff which is coming back into print soon we're working on that really hard to the problem is that was done in partnership with Amazon and they did not create album art for it. These works have no covers. Well, they do, but they're really ugly. There's like a green spotlight with my face on it. And that has nothing to do with the story. So everybody else got really pretty covers and we got that. So I'm going to have to do some cover design and some stuff like that. If you read the fates, horror stories and you have ideas for covers, please send them to me. Let me know. Because that would be great. That would be awesome. But those are coming back. But I know I do know what our solemn hour is going to be now. It, we are going to be doing an epic or high fantasy story, much more akin to sword and sorcery, though I'm mixing elements of both. It is going to have my trademark wuxia elements. So hopefully you like what I do with the uh, martial arts and the underworld kind of a thing that I borrowed from wuxia. 
it, it's really exciting. And hopefully I'll have the Setting Bible done soon. I thought I'd have it done yesterday, but I've been playing with Spotify a bit too much. You can track me down on that, too, and follow me over there. That would be awesome. I'd love to see what you guys are listening to as far as music goes. If you've friended me on Facebook, it's really easy. You just uh, look. For, I'll just show up because all of your Facebook friends that are using Spotify just show up. So that's cool. But, yeah, I'm going to be getting that out. I am actually going to post that when it's done for you guys to take a look at and let me know what you think. It will not have spoilers in it, for the most part, mainly because I want to leave some things as mysteries for me. (laughs) But the main character has been named. I've started building up the setting in the world. I know what it's going to be. It's not going to be as intensive of a world building as I've done in the past, because I kind of want this to be more like the Conan series or the Brain Rock Morn or something like that from Robert E. Howard, where I have the ability to explore the setting as I write and kind of flesh it out that way instead of trying to develop everything at first. So hopefully that will work out. That's a new thing for me. I'm a very... uh, I'm a writer who figures out everything first and then gets to writing prose. And I'm abandoning some of that. I'm still going to be outlining these things so that we'll be doing this. But hopefully in the next couple months, you'll be getting the first short stories out of this. The first serial will be coming out because that's the idea is that once I get this system up and running, hopefully about every week to two weeks, you'll be getting new stories from me. So I'm excited about that. And we'll work on frequency once once it's up and running, we'll figure out what's a good rate to get the stories out at. But I'm, I'm very excited. And thank you to everybody who was a part of that and helping me figure out what we're going to do. And the new Arsalem Hour site should be up shortly. Anywho, I think that's it for now. I hope I talked about everything. Uh, I hope you don't mind that I did the news in this podcast. I, I've was thinking a lot this was supposed to be my personal podcast and it still kind of is because I'm talking about what I'm doing in my life and my career but I really I I feel awkward talking about the more business aspects the writing stuff on fandom today I don't think it really fits over there so I'm probably going to be putting more of that what I'm learning as a media creator as a content creator on this podcast so hopefully hopefully you like that this podcast still not available in iTunes. I'm going to resubmit it again. I've submitted it a couple times and we have been declined and I don't know why, but you can always tell your friends to head over to projectshadow.com and subscribe there. Please do spread the word. Anything that you do to help us out is greatly appreciated. Um, support our sponsors and everything. And let me know what you think about the new ads on the site, because we moved to a different company. We're still using Project Wonderful for some ads, but we started getting a lot of crap spam ads, and I did not want to put them up. So we're we're using a different company now for the ads, and I at least think they look better, though I'm not sure exactly how well they jive with the content, because it's mostly clothing and fashion stuff that they're putting up, but... Hopefully, they're non-offensive to y'all. I did get rid of the underwear ads, because I found them bothersome, because I know we have a lot of younger kids that read the site. Anywho, that's it for me. I will see you online. Like I said, you can contact me via Facebook, Twitter. I'm CE Dorset on both. 
go to Eric Dorset circle Eric Dorset over at Google Plus. That's probably the best way to get in touch with me. And don't forget, even though we use it for fandom today, you can call our handy dandy voicemail number at seven three one four fandom. That's seven three one four three two six three six six, and leave a comment there. Your comments are greatly appreciated. Just a warning: your comment may be played on the show which may not be a warning. If you actually want to do a segment over the phone for the show, go ahead and do that for the show or any of our other shows. That's a great place to do that. Well, thank you guys so much for your love and support. You guys mean the world to me and I hope I show it. And if I don't, I sincerely apologize. I have no idea what it means to me that you guys are so helpful and supportive. Uh, I'll see you next time. And hopefully it won't be such a long time between project shadows. Bye. <laughs>